Welcome to Seahawks Man to Man Podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the Tweet Machine. I don't have to explain my Twitter name because I'm verified. Uh, make sure you guys remind Chris constantly, get all up in his mentions to tell him to call the Tweet Machine so he can be verified. Isn't that right, Chris? No comment. Y'all can follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and that's CKID206. Well, that stubbornness is going to get you, Chris. It's just, it's it's going to get you. And it's very appropriate that we have our usual uh, verified uh, exchange to top the show because we have someone who is verified <laughs> in the studio with us. Special guest, uh, Blue Check Ben Arthur covers the Seahawks. Well, you just covering sports now? Generally for um, the Seattle PI, so, so I still—I mean, Seahawks is still kind of like my main thing. But um, the new boss wants me to kind of expand a bit, so I do do some Mariners and Huskies. But you know, Seahawks is still my main thing. But excited yeah. to be here, guys. You know, excited to be verified. Yeah, no, it's, it's great to be verified, Chris. You're the only one in this room who's not uh, verified. I don't know how you feel about that, but um, I got verified. What like whew, January? Oh man. Um so <laughs> that's great. You know, it's starting to settle in a little bit. You know, it's you know, the people that have started following me now, like the conversations I'm getting in now, like it didn't happen before. This is a so, club I'm not in yet. It's okay. You have to you have to sell your soul to to to, to social media and start what's calling the, it a tweet machine. The, what's the timeline, Mike? As soon as you start calling it a tweet machine, you know, you're gonna get some results. <laughs> it's just gotta be a recurring <laughs> thing. That's that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, uh, when you tag me with uh What's his name? Yeah, my, my boy just got verified. I was like, dang. Mm-hmm. Tweet shout, machine, huh? Shout out to homie Kurt. <laughs> um, uh, ben, we're going to talk football with you, but you're a big basketball guy, as am yes, I. Sir. Uh, I've played basketball with you. Uh, Chris is a big basketball guy. We've all played together. We had uh, the homie from NBC Sports Northwest. We had Joe Fan on uh, the show a couple couple weeks ago, and we, got, we were talking about basketball. We we're talking about how, you know, I'm under the belief that a media team, me, you, Joe, some other guys, we could take... A group of Seahawks. Oh, for sure. Any, yeah, yeah. Any three or four. Yeah. I think, Chris, do you remember it was me? I, I, I projected a starting five of me, you, uh, me and Ben, and Joe, and Tim Booth, and I think Adam Jude. Adam Jude, yeah. And I gave the Seahawks B-Mac, Tyler, Bobby, Russ, and John Ursua. That's it. Yeah. I was like, we could take him. We might lose, but we're not going to get ran out the gym. Like yeah, there's, I think. think there's a misconception about us, like as media, as reporters, we're just like these little nerds, you know, always on our computer hacking away and we do that right there are but some of us who do that. Th- there are clear. some of us who do that and you know i even do that to an extent but you know I-, I was an athlete growing up i played basketball i did track so you know i'm not gonna i don't care if they're nfl players they're not basketball players they're just they're football guys you know i'm not a like i played against d1 guys in high school like i there played against go. zach levine in high school talk like it. i can't like <laughs> i'm not scared of anybody so you know i'll just leave it at that well i i'm glad you got with people got a glimpse of how confident you are in yourself because that was part of uh, our discussion with Joe. I think he put it very, very good. I'm gonna play. We're gonna play two clips for you. Here's a here's the first one. This is kind of like Joe explaining, giving. I want your thoughts on this too, Ben. Your uh, let's see, your debate style. Let's go with that. Ben does hype him. I'm a big undersell, over deliver guy. That's a good way to do it. Like I just like, are you good? At this like, I'm all right. You know what it's I mean? Solid. Like you go out in golf and you're like, are you good? I was like, not really. And then, like, if you play well, you know, at that point, it's like, oh, this guy's probably not very good. And they're like, oh, okay, he's like, he's all right. Same thing with basketball, right? Like, you're good. Like, oh, I'm okay. Like, if you leave me open, I can probably make a shot. But like, whatever. Ben is the opposite. <laughs> 
So we have we have Joe there with the undersell over deliver uh, <laughs> kind of belief system there, and with you running opposite to that. What do what do you say? Are you are you the opposite of that? No, I think I think Joe is. You know, he's kind of cap like. You know, I was trying to defend myself. You know, like everyone was attacking me after. You know, I lost to you fair and square in the um in that sprint we right, did. Right, I right. think it was like training camp or whatever. And I kind of pulled something, so you won by a larger margin than you should have won. But but I'll give it to you. You're, you're probably faster than me. Like you won fair and square. Mm-hmm. I'll give you that. But like after that, like people like like I was just trying to stand up for myself. Like people think <laughs> you know I'm like not an athlete. You know, oh Ben, all you do is talk. Like I'm trying to defend myself. Like you know, people you know coming at me. And, you know, I know what I'm capable of. I, I don't think think of myself as a cocky or arrogant person. You know, if Joe thinks that. Uh, he didn't so use those it. words, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, he, he didn't use those words to, to be fair. But, you know, um, I was just trying to defend myself. I think that's what it came down to. And if it kind of sounded like, you know, I was kind of being overly confident, you know, whatever. But um, I, I still got to play basketball with him. I haven't. Um, oh. I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon because of the coronavirus but you know it just came down to me like trying to defend myself that's why it maybe came out to him the way it did well and you're uh for background you're trying to defend yourself you were arguing with bobby wagner in the oh, locker man. room Here uh, we go and, again. and well this is oh that's how the conversation came up maybe i should have said that because uh that was a very entertaining day and it was uh it was entertaining for me mostly because i've seen both of you play so I knew where each one was coming from, but Bobby is very dismissive of your your abilities. Oh, like, yeah. He don't want to hear who you played against. <laughs> For the most part. He's just very polite uh, when he does it. I thought Joe had a a good like recollection of that, because I wasn't there for the whole thing, but I do remember. This is Joe on your uh, debate with, uh, with B-Wags. But, like, Bobby will let you get yours in, and, like, he just is, like, waiting, and it's just like, bam, counterpunch. And you're like, it... Ooh. And and him and Ben kind of got going. He got Ben. He got Ben going. And Bobby will talk smack like a flat line. Yep, I mean, he yep. won't. He will. You won't bring him up. He is just consistent and will continue body blow, body blow, body blow. And Ben kind of kept like going up. Going. We're like, oh, Ben, relax, man. It's, we're good. It's all good. And Bobby would listen to every word he said. Would have like a oh, but that oh, but this and you know, Ben started backpedaling, and it was. It was wild. It felt like I was watching like a rap battle, <laughs> and it ended with like a big like, "Oh, damn, BCB, you all right, man?" He's like, "I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm good." I, I thought that was a good kind of recollection of that, man. You was fired up. You was fired. No, up. I was. I mean, he was attacking me. Like, and for context, I think, I think the if I remember right, the way it starts. So I actually. You know, because, you know, Bobby has talked a lot about his basketball skills and how how he's he's all that. And I think on my Instagram story, actually, like I I was playing basketball or something, and I tagged him like at Bobby Wagner c- couldn't take me one on one. So oh. I think so like because I like walked in the locker room that day at practice, and like he just started coming at me. And I think it was because I tagged him like, oh, I could beat you one on one, and then he, he just. So that's kind of how it all kind of went down okay i didn't know that um yeah that's kind of new information um for everyone out there but um <laughs> but yeah man i mean yeah bobby was <laughs> bobby thought he had me you know all fluster you know he thought he had like real estate in my head and all that but <laughs> but he really didn't you know again it, it just kind of goes back to me kind of defending my honor 
you know, sticking up for myself. Like Tim, Tim Booth from the AP and all those guys were like, oh, Ben, what, what are you saying? Like, because, because they saw my race with you and they think, oh, he, he's not really an athlete. All Ben does is talk and he can't back it up. And so I think it was just another example of that. I think I'm just very misunderstood. Oh. You know, there are a lot of athletes out there that are misunderstood. I, I'd kind of put myself in that category as well. And for further details, I'm pretty sure we talked about this on the episode with Joe. Um, Bobby was claiming that he would spot you like seven points and that you wouldn't get to eight or something like that, right? Some wildly disrespectful. Yeah, format like he, he like in a one on one game. Yeah, like he's like he give me give me points. Like oh, I'll start you know at this point and you know like all this like you know I don't I don't need you to give me anything. Like I'll take you like a man. Like straight up one on one zero zero. You know, first one to eleven, we'll do that. And you know, I was really looking forward to um to having that game. You know, this spring. You know, we were talking a little bit, but um, you know, obviously, you know, coronavirus and all that that wasn't able to happen. But um, you know, when this does clear up, man, I, I'm going at him. <laughs> you know, we're gonna get it on tape too. It's gonna be like a Seattle PI live stream, exclusive live stream. Uh, but man. Yeah, that that day got me really fired up. I think we argued for like twenty minutes. Like that was literally like our whole locker room session. I didn't get any reporting done that day. It was just like arguing with Bobby. I was so mad at myself. But uh, but man, yeah, that was an interesting day. And then and and then after that, at practice, when you know we have that 10, 15 minutes of practice, we can watch. Mm-hmm. At when he was doing the warm ups, you know, when they were jogging towards us, every time he'd look at me and do like a shooting motion to kind of like. <laughs> To kind of like mock me, like, oh, you see this, like Kobe, like he did that for like five minutes. Um, so, so yeah, that was good times. Good I didn't times. know you poked the bear in that scenario. That's a that's a theme. Yeah, that's you. okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess maybe hey, it's a no, theme. Com- no, yeah, I yeah. like confidence in whatever. If you if you're good at something, you know, let 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 people know. And that's why I think defending yourself is fair, especially if someone says I'll spot you like seven points in a game yeah. to like nine. Yeah, that's no dis- That's no respect for your side. Yeah, so you got to stand up there. Yeah, I I have to, you know, it's it's you know, it's my manhood, you know. So so that's that yeah, that's kind of where all that comes from. I don't I don't think I'm cocky or anything. You you ask a lot of my people from my background, high school, college, you know, they'll say I'm well, I hope they they say I'm not <laughs> not uh overconfident and that I'm more humble, but um but yeah, man. That's kind of that's kind of the whole situation with that. You're uh, you're entering year 3 covering the Hawks. Yes, and, sir. You know, what is that like? I would imagine perhaps maybe that having a 20-minute argument with Bobby Wagner about one-on-one basketball maybe speaks to the, the growth of your you know, comfortability in the locker room. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, it's all, you know, it's kind of maybe seems like a heated argument. But at the same time, you know, I, I build rapport, you know, with the guys in the locker room. They They see that you're just kind of, you know, a guy just kind of doing your job and, you know, you're not out to get them you're just trying to do your job you know be Im- impartial unbiased um you know because when i first got on the beat in 2018 um man i was i'd like you know my heart was beating whenever i'd get in the locker room because like you know i kind of get afraid to talk to guys um at least just kind of like that nervousness mm-hmm. you know um heart beating a little bit, you know, you're afraid that they might, uh, you know, might not want to talk to you and all that. And, you know, over time, I've just kind of gotten over that. And, you know, over time too, like the guys get used to seeing your face. Um, so yeah, that's all that's been, um, good. I've gotten more comfortable over time. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. It's been quite the journey too, you know, with how much craziness has kind of happened on the Seahawks beat over the last few years. Um, I don't really, I don't have a, you know, real kind of structure kind of, so to speak at the PI. So a lot of this stuff I kind of have to handle on my own, but you know, it's kind of like, you know, you, you get thrown in the fire, you just kind of have to figure it out. And I think I've really, I think last year, like middle of the season last year, I really started to kind of figure it out. Um, in terms of talking to guys, you know, talking to more of the people behind the scenes, you know, the movers and shakers like agents and stuff like that. I really started to pick that up as well. And I have to credit guys like you who've helped me. Cameron Wolf from ESPN who covers the oh, Dolphins. Good dude. Yeah, shout out to Cam. He's helped me a ton. I've known him for a few years now. Um, so, yeah. What's, what's something uh, year one, Ben, was like struggling with in the first time coming to the NFL? Now, like year three, Ben's like, oh, I got this. Year one, Ben, to year three, Ben. Huh. Um, Besides the blue check. Yeah, blue check. Yeah, the clout definitely hits different with the blue <laughs> check. Like, but um, I don't know. It's just like, um, it, I'd say agents. Oh, yeah? You know, a lot of that. Just reaching out to people. Um, at first, honestly, I didn't even know how to reach out to people. Um, like, I wasn't really kind of in tune with, like, kind of going through the NFL, NFLPA resources and all that. I, I kind of had to learn that. Um, but I think, yeah, just calling agents, like not being afraid to kind of get that no, um, because that's, I think that's something I was definitely afraid of. And, you know, where I was at before, you know, covering high school sports, I didn't really have to do any of that. Mm -hmm. You know, you just kind of, uh, cover the high school game, talk to the coach, talk to a, you know, a couple of the high school athletes or so. And they're, you know, they like want to talk to you so bad at the high school level. They're appreciative of any coverage, especially in the part of Texas I was in, um, you know, thanking you profusely for covering them, like in the NFL and professional sports, like, it's like, Oh, another interview request, you know, so it's a lot of that. Um, but, um, yeah, definitely. I I'd say kind of the agents and stuff. Um, and just contract NFL contract knowledge too. Mm. Um, that stuff is complicated. It is, yeah. I've I've really had to, you know, do a lot of kind of reading up on that. There's some good books on uh, on you know kind of picking up all that stuff. And that's something I just didn't have any idea of how to deal with. And and again, at the high school level, you know, you don't deal with any of that. You know, you just deal with you know guys. You know, oh, where are they going to commit to and all that. So. Um, Definitely, yeah, just kind of reaching out to people, reaching out to agents, and um, really furthering my knowledge of, like, NFL contracts, the kind of the NFL legal language that you, the kind of the hoops I didn't have to do with in the past. And calling out future Hall of Famers on Instagram. That's uh, And, yeah, and that, that too. <laughs> that has happened uh, as well. You know, me and you, we're in a unique space uh, that a lot of NFL writers just aren't in. We're black, black yeah. men covering the NFL, and... That just feels like a different level of energy, especially now. You know, we're looking outside and people looking like us are, are dying. We're in the streets and you see the people like us on TV, you know, riding forward that are athletes. Mahomes, one of them, even Russell Wilson, Chelsea Vulnerability. You know, what is, how have you been able to shift your coverage of the team since, you know, the intersection of race and sports has become, you know, at the forefront of everyone's mind and not just like maybe the minds of uh, journalists of color? 
Yeah, I think my role, you know, as a black journalist is making sure I'm amplifying those stories because, you know, this is, you know, kind of an issue that a lot of black people in general care about. Black athletes are black people. These are things they're speaking out on. Um, this is these are things they're tweeting about, you know, making videos about um, showing emotion about. And if they're kind of expressing that in public forums, it's kind of your job at least, you know, the way I see it, to, to kind of cover that, make sure it gets the attention it deserves, make sure the voice, the, the athletes are being heard for, you know, on these issues they care so much about, um, you know, p- you know, athletes, you know, the, they're, they're pigeonholed a lot as, you know, kind of, you know, stay in your lane, stick to sports, um, you know, but, you know, athletes are complex human you know, beings like any anyone else in our culture and, you know, be covering the NFL, you know, most of the guys you cover are black. I don't know what the percentage is, but, you know, over 70 guys, 70 percent of guys are black. And th- these are issues they care very deeply about because either they've experienced racism, they've seen racism, um, you know, this is going all on all around them. And so I feel like my role is giving those guys a platform whenever I can to kind of make sure that they're heard. Um, so I'd say that's kind of the the biggest thing. You know, I, I think, you know, when I mean, I can't speak for to non, you know, black journalists and 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 white journalists, but um you know, I think when when you're not black, you, you don't always have the conscious awareness to make sure you're amplifying those right. stories and giving those stories the platform they deserve. And so I think I've really just taken it upon myself to make sure, um, you know, the black athletes on the Seahawks kind of have that voice. Um, I think, yeah. With, with uh, specifically in the NFL, we've just seen a shift. You know, the player video that came out, you know, Goodell responding to the player video, uh, Baker Mayfield, you know, telling people to screw off because he's going to kneel. I think Bill O'Brien of the Texans said he's going to kneel with his players as well. The Washington football team's name is about to get changed. There's just a whole shift. Like, people care about people who don't look like them. Anyway, that you, I think that's what you're kind of getting at there. There's just a natural inclination to not feel attached to issues for people who don't look like you or don't have the same uh like anatomy you know men and women uh what have you just kind of made of that shift that we've seen that Colin Kaepernick tried to get us at in 2016 but now that we're actually seeing it looks like four years later yeah I mean I think it's kind of gotten to a point where you know people are are fed up and it's just happened so much it's happened so much on camera and you know with the George Floyd thing um you know it was like blatant blatantly wrong um blatant racism and you know i think you know with people kind of at home and like like with with coronavirus and kind of that impact on everything you know people i think have been at least you know my opinion i think people have been forced to kind of think and grapple with that stuff more consciously than maybe they ever have in their life and i think kind of that trickle down effect has been seen in everything and you know it's impacted sports you know, it's it's gone from, you know, an unarmed black man being killed in, cust- in, in custody of police to, you know, how can we kind of address the systemic racism that's present in our society? And, you know, sports is part of our society. 
And, you know, with black athletes, you know, talking about this so much and, you know, con- these conversations being reignited, you know, naturally, um, you know, the focus is going to be on, okay, what's going on in our own um, atmosphere, in our own kind of environment that's wrong. Um, and, you know, I think that's kind of where that conversation about the the Washington NFL team's name, um, the whole Kaepernick debate, the whole issue about um, black coat, not enough black head coaches mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the NFL and college football to Sean Reed of athletic did a really good story on that kind of whole um, predicament. And so I think kind of this moment, this whole, you know, George Floyd's death has kind of sparked this wider conversation about racism with everything in American society. And, you know, sports is a microcosm of society. And so sports has to look within itself to see, you know, how can we um, kind of change what's, what's going on, the things we've kind of accepted as, you know, status quo for so long, like, you know, that, that has to be challenged. Like, why are we just kind of accepting, you know, what, what's, what it's been, you know, for so long? I think that's kind of where all that comes from. Since we're talking football, we got to bring up Mahomes. He just signed a baseball deal, I like to call it, because you don't see NFL players coming out and getting anywhere near $200 million. He comes out with a 10-year deal. When I saw 10 years, I thought it was a typo. I'm not going to lie. I was probably the only person around thinking, that's a typo. Someone needs to fix that. And then it kept rolling. Then I see Schefter, and I see everyone else tweeting it out. Mega deal, $503 million, $477 million guaranteed. How shocked, I mean, you're shaking your head. Like, how shocked were you when you initially saw that? No, when I saw, you know, I was like, damn, you know, that that's crazy. But then I also thought, damn, he's kind of underpaid. Like, I honestly, like, you look at what he could be, like how yep. much he's already accomplished, right? You know, first year season as a starter, league MVP. Second season as a starter, you know, wins the Super Bowl. You know, throwing... 40, 50 touchdown uh, passes a year. He's 24, you know. He's 24. <laughs> you know, think about, you know, all that he can accomplish. Like, NFL quarterbacks don't really hit their prime until, what, like 30? Maybe 30 well, Mahomes already being at that I was about to say, I guess it bag. depends on who you are because Mahomes is yeah. there. But, like, that just makes you think, like, he's 24 now. Like, how good can he be in, like, five years, six years, assuming he st- stays healthy and – you know, he, he kind of stays, you know, that ceiling is, you know, as high as we think it could be. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was nuts that a guy, <laughs> that a, an athlete is getting half a billion dollars <laughs> in a contract. Like, highest paid athlete ever. That's nuts. But then you also think about what he could be. And, you know, it, it kind of sinks in a bit like, oh, maybe it's, you know, it kind of makes sense. Um, and, you know, I think the deal, you know, I think the deal is kind of structured in a way where it's kind of a win-win scenario uh, when you look at kind of the, the guarantee mechanisms and, um, you know, Mahomes is getting a whole, you know, whole lot of money, but then the team has, a you know, team control for so long and the market for quarterbacks is going to continue going up. Um, so, yeah, it's it, the deal is nuts, but, you know, he, he he's, you know, he's completely deserving of it. When you first started talking to brought up a quote that Jalen Rose always mentions. He says, you never get what you deserve, only what you have the leverage to negotiate. And I'm thinking, damn, 
that is a mega deal. And the fact that he could potentially earn even more is like, could he have gotten, you know, $900 million based off of how well he's played? I mean, this guy is really 24 years old with bags of cash. And this is that's good for him. I mean, great quarterback, arguably the best one in the NFL. Ben, who are your top five quarterbacks right now? Ooh, top five right now, that's tough. Um, well, number one and two should be easy, right? Do, do I— do I have to put them in order though? Yes, Come ben. on, man. Come- yes. <laughs> what? Yes. Uh, in order. I'm just gonna edit that whole part out where you say that. Well, no, no. Leave <laughs> leave that in there. <laughs> okay, Mahomes at one. Okay. I'll put Russ at two. Ooh, there we go. Maybe like Drew Brees at three. People aren't gonna like my list. Uh, at four, That's I'll okay. probably say Deshaun Watson. Yeah, you're wilding, but I feel it. Continue. And uh five. <laughs> No, I don't want to say Lamar Jackson because he hasn't done anything. He can't. He hasn't won in the playoffs Mike Vick yet. 2.0, but I, feel, um, I respect that. I don't know. I'll, I'll give Aaron Rodgers the okay. fifth spot. Okay, that's not a bad list. I think there's only one guy that I'll you know debate with you about, but other than that, I, that's a good list, man. I mean, what, you, you don't like the Deshaun Watson one? Personally, Deshaun Watson, he hasn't done anything either, right? No, no, he has What does but, done anything mean to you guys here? Because I've heard the term twice well, now, and it's well, just I'm just incredibly disrespectful. I'm just throwing it back at him in regards to Lamar Jackson. What, that's what I said. What does done anything mean? What does that mean? I mean, like, you know, go really far in the playoffs. And Deshaun Watson? Deshaun Watson hasn't done that. Lamar Jackson hasn't really shown up in the playoffs yet. Um his defense sucked that game. I'm not gonna, and his receiver dropped all the passes in the world. That hurt him. But I feel you. Yeah. I, did, I, I didn't watch that game. I was on oh, the plane. Man. Tight end had like four drops. It's like, bro, why are you even out there? Yeah, he's got shaky hands. Is Mark Andrews? Yes. <laughs> yeah, he can't catch. Well, he Which is that. weird because he can. He, but it's, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, he just didn't have a good day. But that's okay, Ben. We agree to disagree. Yeah, you Mike, gotta catch some heat for that. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. MVP of the league? <laughs> Lamar Jackson? Oh, he's got to be top five. I, you know, I, that's why I would, you know, I Deshaun Jackson or Deshaun. So Jackson. right though, that's your that's your that's your list. Yeah, I, no, I, I mean, I, I think what when you talk about like greatest in the game, like you, there there is an intersection. Like winning has to come with. Like he won what? Yeah, he won fourteen games, right? Mm-hmm. But but he, he just hasn't done anything in the playoffs yet. Like I, you're looking like for I, postseason runs. You want to yeah, see it then when it yeah. Counts. When, when you talk about like greatest in the game, you you have to have that transcendent superstar talent, but you also have to have the resume um, to kind of go with that. And you know, some of that, you know, as especially as a football player, that's not always up to you, right? Like there there's so many factors at play. But I think you know, I I, I think there has to be you know a lot of that the kind of the team the team success when you talk about greatest in the game, you have to factor that in. You know, just what what a guy has done with with their team, like not just who they are, like the stats they put up and the, the you know all that. I think you know you you have to take that into consideration. Nothing against Lamar. I mean, Lamar is like top five favorite player for me to watch, but I I just wouldn't put him in a top five quarterback. I like um, the spiciness there because that's that's got a little spice. Yeah, off wax. You told him to come with some hot takes, and boy, did he he did that. <laughs> I you you have a really cool piece. It's titled. Six breakout candidates for the Seattle Seahawks in 2020. And if our listeners haven't checked it out, please do. But Ben's going to spill a little tea here because there's one player that kind of shocked me that he was on the list, but I understand why you put him on there. And I just want you to explain that a little further. And you had Shaquem Griffin on there. Honestly, he had a pretty darn good good year last year when he got put into the fire to go out there and make plays. He did. I mean, him and his brother combined for a sack, which was 
I don't know how often that's ever going to happen in the NFL. They made history there. Talk about what you expect to see from Shaquem along with this new defensive line that they're trying to revamp with bringing in Benson Mayoa, bringing back Bruce Irvin. How do you think Shaquem's going to fit with all these guys coming in, and how do you expect him to be a breakout player for 2020? I think with Shaquem, they finally figured out how they could use him last year. And I, I think what that, that came in like week – I think it was that 49ers game in like week 10 – where they really figured out how they they could use him as like a speed rusher, um, you know. I think that they're trying to experiment with him, like as a as a you know weak side linebacker, and you know, kind of th- this role that didn't really fit his style. I mean, Sha- Shaquem is a different kind of player, right? Um, you know, he's you know he, he's a smaller guy, but but he needs to be rushing the passer. He has this incredible speed, and if if you can use him, and you know you know, sub sub packages or just on passing downs to kind of get after the quarterback, you know, I think that's the role, you know, he, he needs to be kind of utilizing. I think the the Seahawks wanted to try and experiment with him, but I think they really figured out how they can make him work, like second half of uh the twenty nineteen season and onward. And, you know, it accumulated with, you know, with what you said that uh combined sack between him and uh, Shaquille in that uh, the divisional round game against the the Packers, um, so I expect him to kind of come in in 2020, you know, whenever the season ultimately starts, and kind of grow from that. Like I think the the first two years in the NFL, Shaquille didn't know what he was going to be doing in the NFL, right? There's and when you're a younger guy and you don't even really know what your role is and the team is trying to put you in different spots, you know, I think that can kind of mess with your confidence a bit. Um, but I think now with the Seahawks having kind of figured out kind of how to use him best and, you know, in the pass rush situations and him knowing that he, you know, him knowing what his role is now, I think that's going to help him a lot. Um, in terms of the defensive line group as a whole, I think it will be better the the pass rush I'm not sure they're quite there yet you know I still want to see I've said this multiple times I, I still want want to see them bring in another kind of quality veteran edge guy whether that's Jadeveon Clown I don't think it's going to be Clowney but if they could bring in another guy like an Everson Griffin to kind of shore up um to shore up what they have because I think they did well in the draft with uh, D- Daryl Taylor out of Tennessee, and I think they got a gem in Alton Robinson out of Syracuse in the fifth round. I think those guys are going to be big. Um, Benson Mayawa and uh, Bruce Irvin, you know, bringing those guys back, you know, th- that that's good as well. But I, I think they, they need that one – they need one more guy. I think they need one more guy to help that secondary. Um the, the secondary is great, but, you know, the secondary, they, they can only cover for so long. Yeah, that's what I always you know? discuss with Mike in regards to if you don't have a pass rush and you get all these elite corners and safeties, I mean, they're going to be back there for quite some time because your D-line is not giving any pressure on that quarterback. And if they get time to sit there and pick apart DBs, I mean, it doesn't matter who you have back there. You're going to have 4-D on Sanders back there. They're going to get barbecued because they can only cover for so long. And depending on the zone you're playing or if you're playing man, it just – it, be- it just becomes more of a challenge, and that pass rush needs to be revamped. Speaking of Clowney, you said you don't believe he's coming back, right? No, I don't I, I don't see it happening. Um, that that deal, you know, the Seahawks, you know, reportedly had on the table back in, you know, March, was it now? Um, <laughs> Man, you know that. that long. <laughs> yeah, it, it's crazy. Um, 
you know that 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 the money that was there when they offered him is no longer there. <laughs> you know they they've spent that money. You know the cap situation isn't the same. To kind of give him that same kind of deal, you have to make cuts elsewhere. Um, you know, I don't I don't think you know if, if he would want to come back at this point. You know, you're looking at a you know a few million less. <laughs> you know, and Kalani definitely doesn't want that at at this point. You just kind of got to ride it out. Wait till you can kind of get a physical at one of these, you know, facilities of, of teams that you're interested in, hope that kind of brings your value up and maybe closer to the kind of deal that you were hoping for. I mean, he's, he's not going to get 20 mil, um, like was re- re- reported. Um, but if he could maybe find a good situation um, when facilities open up, I think that's kind of a best case scenario for him. Um or even I could see it going deep into training camp, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe a team, you know, their top edge guy or one of their, their top edge guys get hurt. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Clowney has someone that's hard on, that's, um, you know, really pursuing him. You know, that I could see something like that happening. Um, you know, there, there's that report from Josina Anderson that he expects to, to – um, to be with a team before the start of the season. So, I, I mean, that that kind of tells me that, you know, he, he's willing to wait, you know. He, he's willing to wait deep, deep into training camp for, for kind of that right situation, um, that physical, like I was saying, um, you know, but also just kind of like that right fit. You know, I, I don't see it happening with Seattle. I think that door is kind of closed. I know John Schneider and Pete Carroll will say, um, you know, nothing is ever closed. I think they, 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 yeah, they did say that on a Zoom call with us a few, uh, you know, a few months ago. Um, but, but yeah, I honestly, I'm high on a guy like Everson Griffin. I think you know that would seem like a more logical fit, or a even, uh, what's his name, the guy with the Rams. He was with the Packers for so long. I'm spacing on his name. Uh, talking about Clay Matthews. Yeah, Clay Matthews. Um, he, he's, he's still on the market. Um, I believe so. That's believe a good question. I don't know. Is Clay Matthews still on the market? I believe so. Yeah, well, I would take him. Uh, he's, didn't he try to kill Russ once? Oh, God, he tried to kill every quarterback. But, yes, he did try to take Russ's head off, and the Seahawks weren't happy about that. But speaking of – well, actually not speaking of. In regards to Antonio Brown here, recent news has come out that he wants to be a Seahawk. And with the Seahawks scheme and how they run things, you mentioned being a good fit for Clowney to come back to Seattle. Would A.B. be a good fit coming to Seattle? Yes, we know he has issues off the field, but him as a wide receiver, that standpoint alone, do you think that would be a good fit in the Seahawks run 80% of the time and then we'll chuck it up every now and then? Yeah, that's the thing with A.B. You have to know like if he's if he's comfortable with that, like, you know, he, he's no, he, he has this ego, right. This persona. And, you know, he's demanded the ball <laughs> on numerous occasions throughout <laughs> his career. That's, that's who he is. Like the, the personality has, has to fit. Right. But if he's willing to accept that, like if I'm the Seahawks, like I, I would look into that. Right. If you, if you get him on a, um, kind of a, a, a deal, uh, not he won't be maybe he won't maybe be a you know vet minimum type of guy but a smaller deal with low guarantees high incentives and you're in a situation where if you're the Seahawks if it's a low risk high reward type situation if it doesn't work out he's a cancer in the locker room whatever you just cut him 
Um, or if, you know, it does work out, you know, I, I think that that would be a, you know, a team friendly situation for the Seahawks. Um, you know, I think a lot of people with, with AB have gotten so caught up in, you know, kind of who he is, you know, how he's kind of the issues he's had in every stop he, he's been at. But, you know, I think the Seahawks kind of pride themselves in being able, being able to handle strong personalities. I mean, AB is a different breed. He's a, he's a different cat, right? But, um, you know, when you look at the, the the system they have in place, you know, the, the leadership of Russ, they have really strong leaders in that locker room, Dwayne Brown, Bobby Wagner. Um, if people are, if people don't want AB because of the personality thing, I think they're kind of underselling how strong that Seahawks locker room is. And again, you know, like I said, if you if you're the Seahawks and you get him on a deal that's you know kind of lower on the guarantees, um, maybe higher on the incentives, I think it's a win win if you're the Seahawks. Um, but honestly, I think Josh Gordon is a better fit. That was going to be my yeah. next question with Josh Gordon. Are yeah. You, would you like to see him back with the Seahawks? I, I think, yeah, I think it makes sense. And um, it, 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 I think his personality is better for the Seahawks locker room. <laughs> He's not a guy who's going to come in and, you know, demand the ball. You know, he's he, he assimilated well in, in the Seahawks, uh, you know, wide receiver room last year. I, I talked to a lot of guys in the locker room last year about Josh. And, you know, I remember uh, David Moore telling me he's – uh, Josh is like the cherry on top to our wide receiver room. So, you know, assuming, you know, Josh Gordon can get reinstated, I think he makes more sense because one, he already knows your offense. You know, he's, he's just as talented. You know, if you look at kind of what Josh Gordon has been able to do when he's, you know, been able to get on the field, you know, you don't need all that much when you have Tyler, uh, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Um, I think Josh Gordon is a perfect number three guy if you can get him. So my pecking order is like, you know, Josh Gordon first. If not him, you know, look at A.B. Um, and, yeah, I, you know, kind of look at it that way. You recently wrote another piece regarding Chris Carson and if he could possibly return to the Seahawks after this season. And I remember DeMarco Murray and how great of a running back he was with the Cowboys. And then all of a sudden the Cowboys are like, yeah, we're not going to pay you all that money. As great as you were, we're not going to pay you. And he ended up not having successful seasons after that. And Chris Carson has been pretty successful. You mentioned the story that he had, he's had he been banged up and missed a few games due to injury. I mean, he broke his leg and missed virtually the whole season. And moving forward, are you confident that the Seahawks would actually s- sign him to a, a lucrative deal, paying him pretty well as a running back? Or do you think the Seahawks would the old cowboy move and say, yeah, we're not going to pay all that money. It's it's not worth it. We can find another running back to help our team win games. Yeah, it's it's really tough in in Chris's situation because, you know, he 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 produces like a top five back in the NFL, right? But then he's also been injured so much, and then the market for RBs is just awful. So there are a lot of forces at play with Chris's situation. Um Honestly, I don't know if if the Seahawks would would give him the kind of deal that he thinks he's he he's worthy of, and, well that that he's he's deserving of based on his production. Um, but I think if you're the Seahawks, I, I could see. Well, honestly, I, I could see the Seahawks giving him the kind of deal that they gave uh, Jaron Reed, 
where you kind of have a two-year deal. You know, the first year is guaranteed, and then the you know the second year is will kind of prove it. Um, you know, just because of his injury history, and obviously, you know, him being a running back, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty uncertainties there. You give him a you know good deal, you know, in terms of up upfront cash, and then kind of making him earn like that second or third year. Um, yeah, like like a two year deal, um, making him earn that second year. I could totally see them uh, doing something like that. But then you also the, the Seahawks also have Rashad Penny. You know they, you know it, I think all this is going to kind of play a factor in how they kind of value Chris. Um, you know next, you know next off season, like how Rashad Penny kind of came back from his ACL thing. You know, could they ride Carlos Hyde another year? You know, he's coming off in a thousand thousand yard season with Houston. You know, maybe you could get him back for another one year. You know, smaller one year deal. You know, Rashad. Maybe Rashad is developed into the guy you want, and maybe you don't need Chris. I don't know. Um, but I think Chris embodies kind of that running style that the Seahawks love so much. You know, the kind of pounding style, pounding downhill, um, super aggressive runner. Um, it's going to be a really fascinating uh, situation with him. I know he changed uh, agents as well. Yep. Um, you know, he, he's obviously thinking about all this as well. So it's going to be interesting, man. I, I don't really have an answer for you. Um, if if you ask me to make a prediction, I'd say he he doesn't stay. But then if he does, if he does, I'd say it's like a two year deal. First okay. year, like with first year has like main, you know a lot of guarantees. Um, but the second year is kind of, you know, you got to prove, prove Do it, it again, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then real quick before Mike jumps in quick prediction, we have an NFL season. They play the whole season out. How many wins, how many losses does the Seahawks have? I say like 10 and six. I'm not mad at that. Mike, give him the thumbs up. Uh, yeah, that's fine. That's Mike, fine. Mike going to say 11 and five. Uh, I don't. Have I made a prediction on the show? I don't think you have, Mike. No, I'm putting I'm, you on the spot. No, now. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. <laughs> I'm on here every week. That's fine. We can get. You me. are absolutely right about that. Yes, we, sir. We on can, here we every get a, week. You can get a prediction from me anytime. But uh, I want to. I want to dip back to something you said about a. Uh, not that you said about a B, but a big part of the discussion is like the morality of signing a B. You know, mm. a B is accused of, you know, sexual assault and rape. It's very serious. Yeah. The Seahawks uh, said in the past they have zero tolerance for you know domestic abusers. That obviously that's not the case. Um, or I say should say alleged, but they've said that. And then you have guys who have been accused and they've you know signed them or re-signed them. In the case of even Jaron Reed, yeah, uh, who they re-signed um, actually. So where where are you on that? Maybe this is a personal question for you on whether you know it is okay for the Seahawks to bring in a guy with those accusations against him yeah that's morality yeah that's i mean yeah there are so many teams like seahawks are just one of them team you know teams you know seahawks are in that category of teams who you know sign guys bring guys in who kind of have that checkered past i mean when you're a football team you look at a guy who you know what what he could do for you on the football field and you hope you could help him develop as a person regardless of the issues he may or may not have had in the past um I think, you know, from the Seahawks perspective, and I know Pete, Pete Carroll harps on this a lot too, like he's big on like what, like he feels like the Seahawks culture will help 
the players they bring in, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you look at a guy like Frank Clark, all the question marks about him coming in, the issues he had, he's had, you know, Jaron Reed kind of sticking by his side. Um, you know, plenty of other guys in the past I could rattle off. Um, I think, you know, that they're not, you know, the Seahawks, they're, they're really confident in their ability to, to kind of help guys. Um, you know, they, they want to get what they can from them on the football field, but they think they're a strong enough organization. They have a strong enough culture in place. They have a strong enough locker room in place where they could help guys who've, you know, who've, who've kind of had off the field issues. And I think, you know, if, you know, if they were to bring in a guy like AB, you know, those, um, you know, the kind of the, the red flags about his character and all that are going to come about. But, you know, I think it just kind of goes back to what, how the Seahawks feel that they could help him. Would you would you judge them in a way the, the front office of the Seahawks if they were to you know have that stance of with zero tolerance? If they said, I think this is before they drafted Frank, they said this, and then to bring in AB amid the allegations that he is facing. If they signed him like now, yeah. Um, well, I think I mean if you, if you're the Seahawks, I think that I think they're going to wait for the um, kind of the NFL's ruling, uh, the investigation. Like I think that's why no team is touching him right now because mm. you don't even know um kind of what what the league is going to do to him discipline wise like I've heard 6 7 games potentially um so I don't see anything happening you know Seahawks among them like n- nothing legit happening until there's clarity about his legal situation um so yeah does a uh, you just made your prediction? Does AB or Josh for you add another win total or add a, add another win to the total? Nah. No, it, it really doesn't. No, it, because it's not the offense that needs work, <laughs> right? This was a top eight. I think they're the eighth ranked off offense in the NFL yeah, last like year. That. Yeah, eighth. fourth and fourth and rushing, eleventh and passing, eighth overall. Like the offense is fine. You know, and and they they shored up the depth the depth at a lot of spots. You know, they brought in Philip uh, Philip Dorsett at wide receiver, Greg Olson at tight end. Um, Will Disley is going to be back. Uh, Carlos Hyde is in there. Um, you know, the offensive line. You know, you know, you don't really know what to expect from them because of all the moving parts and no time working together this offseason because of the uh, pandemic. But the offense isn't the issue. It's the defense. Like I think for them to up the win total or to go deeper in the playoffs, it's the defense that needs to be a lot better. And I think that goes to what you guys were asking me about earlier in the shows, and it's about, like, the pass rush. The pass rush needs to be on point because, the you know, the linebacker core is strong. The secondary group is better. You know, Quandre going to be there for a full year. Um, uh, yeah, Marquise Blair, you know, he, he's going to be better. Um, you know, they brought in, uh, uh, Quentin, Dun- you know, Quentin Dunbar. Um, so I think it's just kind of the, the pass rush. Like if they can get one more guy in there, you know, I think, you know, I think that'll help more than bringing in, you know, another offensive weapon. I mean, you, you, you want to get as many weapons as you can. If you could get a Josh or an AB, that's great. But I think, I think adding another guy on defense will make more of an impact on, you know, how the team ultimately performs. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, and, uh, you know, because we talked about Jamal Adams on the show. We talked about Jamal, right? Yeah, we talked about it with Joe. There it is. Yeah. 
Um, and a thing, not even necessarily like obviously Jamal would make the team better, right? But I, I don't know if you've had this same you know debate with fans. A lot of the ones who aren't on board with it are not in, on board with it. Adding trading for Jamal, that is, if it means losing Marquise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I just can't wrap my head around that one, just because not that Marquise won't be good, because he's not even in line to start this year. Yeah, right? like BMAC is. Um, maybe there's some nickel roll or whatever, but for the most part, your base defense, you got a guy who's probably going to be on the bench. Uh, in in 2020, where are you and Marquise? You know, in, in general, because I feel like there is kind of two camps here that have emerged. There is like you've seen Seahawks Twitter. There's like a Marquise Blair fan club yeah. who are getting their like tattoos sketched out to have Marquise's hit from the pre- first preseason game put on their butts. Like that's that group. And then there's the. Uh, there's <laughs> are there like, actually people that have that? No, no, no but just, yeah, yeah, no, I get the metaphor, but I just wanted to make sure no one is actually doing I mean, that. Not that I know of. Now, <laughs> I don't see a lot of Seahawk Twitter's butts. So if they do have it, it's not information that I would, you know, have at you know my disposal. But and then there's like another camp. Uh, I don't even really. I don't know if that group has tattoos at all. But they're just not in the other camp uh, with you know, kind of falling in love with Marquise. I feel like John Ursua and Puna Ford also have similar. Mm-hmm. You know, hype trains yeah. going with him. Kind of where are you on the young safety? Yeah, no, Marquise has, yeah, Marquise has a ton of potential. You know, we know how much of a hard hitter he is. Um, but, you know, if if you have a chance to get Jamal, at, like, we, we don't know how good, like, chances are Marquise Blair isn't going to be like a Jamal Adams caliber player. Like, you don't, you don't, like, not go after a guy of that caliber if you have the chance to mm-hmm. like if even if you have a young promising talent like you you have no idea how good he may or may not become but you have an established young superstar like a Jamal Adams and if you can get him in a package for Marquis Blair Marquis Blair I think you do it mm. but um but yeah, I mean, I, I'm high on Marquise too. I think he he has a lot of, lot of uh, a talent. The the playing time, uh, thing like like you said, it's going to be interesting to see how all that plays out. You know, with B Max still in the picture, is he going to be used in more in in, in kind of the nickel role? We'll kind of see. But, um, but yeah, if you if you if you need to package him to get a Jamal Adams, I think you do it. Like I don't think you should hesitate. And what Jamal like twenty four? I think Jamal is like a month younger than like L- LJ Collier. <laughs> that's, I'm pretty that's sure. Nuts. He's either a month younger or a month older. Yeah, I think LJ like twenty five. Yeah, he, yeah, he's yeah. twenty five. Jamal is like twenty four. So yeah, I, I mean, I don't. I get why you, you you love him, right? Like if you're a Seahawks fan, like you know the the potential is obviously there, but like there's no guarantee that he, he'd pan out. You know, and if if you can get a guy who's established, who's young, who's a superstar. Like you, you, I think you you give give him up. All right, that's got, that's my take. Blue on check that. Ben playing GM. It all just rhymes. Cap is on. Yeah, it just it all it all rhymes. What? Oh wait, does that rhyme? Blue check Ben GM. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fine. Blue check Ben GM. T Pain made up a word to make it rhyme. So so was fine. What you got working on, Ben? That people can look forward to. Ooh, what do I have working on? Um, honestly, I'm I'm figuring it out right now. Um, 
you know, there's obviously uncertainty about the whole season. You know, the NFL is, you know, acting like everything is going to be on um, on schedule with, with camp in, in late July. So so I'm anticipating that. Um, but, you know, the, there are some kind of smaller features, um, you know, I'm hoping to, to do in, in, in the next couple weeks. Um, but in terms of stuff, like people should be, you know, you know, should look out for like, I, I don't have like a big, you know, like a big enterprise thing coming out soon. Um, but, but yeah, man, uh, just, yeah, just kind of grinding away. I just kind of, like I was telling you guys earlier, like I, uh, just kind of got back into work mode. I was off last week, kind of, um, clearing my head after, you know, after kind of working so much. Um, so I'm just kind of like gearing up back into kind of Seahawks mode, gearing up back into work mode. So, um, but we'll, we'll see. I don't, I don't have any, any big stuff yet, but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pull something out of my sleeve. All right. Well, we're very confident that you will. That is blue check. Ben, uh, also known as Ben Arthur of the Seattle PI. Uh, appreciate you brother for joining us. Uh, appreciate your uh, your insights. Appreciate you defending yourself when Joe fan called you cocky. Now, I'm I'm kidding, Joe. No, you didn't. <laughs> I I did like that. I need to see you and Joe play against each other too. Dude, we we yeah, that needs to happen. You know, I've been dying to, and, and I know I know Joe can go too. Like he he he, he has that a jump rhyme. shot. He has a jump shot. Joe I don't know what else go. Joe. I don't know what else Joe has, but I know he has a three point shot. He has height. He has height too. But the <laughs> height. You know, hard over height any day. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Like I'm. I'm of the Isaiah Thomas, Nate Robinson breed. There it is. No, no, I'm not saying I, I, I'm. I'm this. messing with you. <laughs> no, I think that is a. Well, I mean, that was a humble brat, but uh, <laughs> that is actually literally the name of Nate Robinson's book. It's hard over height. I'm yeah, pretty sure. Uh, I read it. It was good. So I, I, I'm with you. I get you. I don't think you're cocky, Ben. Oh, thank you. Confident. Thank you, man. Two confidence. different things. There, two very different things. There is a line. There, there is, there is line. yeah, there is confidence and cockiness, but just because you're confident doesn't mean you're cocky. That is you know? that is that is true. That Say is true. it with your chest, Ben. Yes, sir. You know. I think part of the difference is the respect level for your opposition um, is where it helps you helps me draw the line there. Like if you just don't think nobody like Bobby was doing to you. Like saying, dude, I'll spot you eight points and beat you to nine. Yes, you know, that's cockiness. That's cocky. Yeah, I wasn't saying any of that. I'll beat you. That is confidence in your own ability. This is a good way to illustrate the difference there. I'm with you. I'm here to help you out, man. I'm here to help you out. Uh, Thank you again for joining us. Thank everyone for listening to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Once again, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. Make sure you follow us uh, on all social media. You guys know where to follow me. Uh, Blue Check Ben, where can they follow you and your Blue Check? Yes, sir. <laughs> it's uh, Ben Benny Arthur um, at Benny Arthur on Twitter. So it's just I like to just say Ben Arthur with a Y in between. So B E N Y A R T H U R. So hit me there. I'm also on Instagram with the same um, with the same app. So you can find me there. Find all my content there. And as always, tell your peoples about us. We're on iTunes, Spotify, The Athletic, anywhere you get podcasts. You can probably find us the seahawks man to man podcast we appreciate you guys stay safe wash your hands uh avoid the rona wear a damn mask and on that note we're out